Welcome to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our goal is to connect listeners to the great outdoors with hosts Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. I'm host Ben Brandell, owner of Meant to Be Outdoors, instructor of outdoor skills, and passionate about personal growth. I'm host Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. Welcome back to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Brian, with my co-host, Ben. And in today's episode, we are talking all about chronic wasting disease, also known as CWD. This is a disease that is affecting all cervid animals in the United States, mule deer, elk, and whitetails. And we're going to be talking about how it can affect you. But before we do that, we need to give thanks. I'm thankful for the capability of shutting up. (laughs) So doesn't mean that I do shut up, but the capability of closing my mouth. It goes back to Proverbs 21, 23. If you want to keep away trouble, always be careful about what you say. So having sometimes the awareness of, you know what, I, I really shouldn't say what I am thinking right now, or maybe I shouldn't even say how I'm truly feeling right now. Just leave that inside. Um, there was a situation I had a, a few days ago, and, and I really felt like, I was supposed to talk to my son and say something, and I usually do. And then I got, I'm just going to say Holy Spirit, but then I just got this feeling of, you know what, just let it, let it go. Like it's still in my brain. I still am thinking about it today, but, but don't share it. And I didn't. And I'm clearly seeing now it was a better, better outcome than probably what would happen if I'd have said something. Yeah. I think that is something I've struggled with over my life. I think as I get older, I get a little bit better at, at it. That well, because you have God the capability, but yeah. it's it doesn't mean that you that you you shut up when right. you're supposed to. <laughs> God keeps working on 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 that in me personally, uh, but also that like what you're talking about is is grace. Like God shows us grace all the time. Like there, if if He instructed us and and came and intervened in our life every single time we need to be corrected. That would be an interesting relationship with our God. It really would. And, and I think the, the same thing can be said for parent to child. Like sometimes we just need to show grace and uh, kind of find and pick those spots to, to guide and steer because we're no different than our children. You know, we're being Absolutely. we're broken and in need of a father just as they are. Um, and we're really just supposed to guide them to him. That's right. So. That's right. Well, what I am thankful for, you keep getting deep in these things, and I keep having like, I'm thankful for Skittles. <laughs> 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 well, I'm thankful for fast food. Then yeah, I'll, fast I'll say food, that. Yeah, good. Oh, yeah, yeah. I am thankful for my Traeger, my yeah. smoker, my pellet smoker, pellet grill. Does it have to be Traeger? Or can it just be a, a pellet? I've pellet never smoker? used another brand. Okay, uh, but I have had people cook for me in other brands, and it was just as good and fabulous. So I'm going to say just pellet smoker in yes. general. Yes, I mean the convenience of being able to get wood flavor by not having to go through building a charcoal chimney and letting it heat up for 30, 40 minutes before those coals are ready is awesome. And I cook on it sometimes every day of the week. I Mm -hmm. cook on it all Mm -hmm. the time. Sometimes I'll even take things that are like take and bake meals from Sam's and I'll bake those on there just to get that kind of smoky wood fire flavor and it makes things better. My family is so used to it now. It's kind of a pain because my kids won't even allow me to microwave hot dogs for them. Uh oh. Like, well, Dad, we want hot dogs, but we want them on the we want them on the grill. Like, yeah. Okay, which you know I'm a sucker for them, so I'll take a little extra time and and grill those hot dogs for them. But I am really thankful for it. If it ever goes down, I'm gonna be really hurting to to get a new one. That's I've got one as well, and 
the flavor is undeniable. Like to go from, yeah, a boiled hot dog <laughs> to one coming off of your wood smoke, uh, you can't beat that, man. So I love I the versatility. You can literally smoke something for 12 hours on it. Mm-hmm. Or crank it up to 450, 500 degrees and grill something hot five minutes on each side and, and, and have it done. Love the versatility of yes. them. Yeah. Um, it, it has changed a lot because I never was a big propane grill guy, but I always thought, man, the convenience of that, being able to just turn it on and grill it is really nice, but you just don't get the flavor like you do when you have actual wood smoke rolling That's through. true. That's true. That's a good one. One of my favorite things to cook on that Traeger is deer meat. Yes. And one of the questions that comes up so often this time of year, it is December, so we're right, just getting past most people's rut hunts, so people have are getting their deer back from the processors. One of the questions I get all the time, with chronic wasting disease being out there in deer herds, it, you think it's safe for us to eat our deer? We're doing this today because this is the time of year when we get asked, I get asked the most about chronic wasting disease. So what we're going to talk about in this episode we're going to talk about what chronic wasting disease even really is, kind of the history of it here in America, some of the hope that's coming down the pipe of, of maybe eradicating or stopping the spread of this disease, and then what we as outdoorsmen and hunters can do ourselves to take part in, in slowing that spread as well. I'm going to put you on the spot because there are some listeners that are like Brian who cares, right? and they, they may want to turn it off right now. Uh, this isn't something you and I talked about. Why is this important for mankind why is it important for all of us on this earth to be aware of cwd and um to be just knowledgeable in it what's why oh man i think i could come up with a list of reasons here right off the bat the first one i'm i'm going to go to because it hits home for most people and that's economically the white-tailed deer brings more money into your state. If you have white-tailed deer hunting in your state, there is so much money that comes into your economy in your state, whether you're a hunter or not, you would be baffled at the numbers, billions of dollars every single year. So if we have to take white-tail hunting away just to save the white-tail species, states are going to be hurting. The state economy is going to be hurting. Um, Another thing would be we are all stewards, whether we hunt or fish or not. We all are stewards of our wildlife, whether you just like to see them, whether you like to eat them, whether you like to hunt them, no matter what it is. And so I think we should care um, about our ecosystems because if one thing is removed from our ecosystems, from our food chains, it's going to affect everything else. So while you may not appreciate white-tailed deer, maybe you really appreciate uh, the big giant white oak tree in your yard. Well, now if we don't have anything consuming the acorns, there could be a uh, fungus that comes in and starts killing why we don't know because it's never been removed from the food chain and we don't want to find out what that means. So it is going to affect people any other way. Plus you may, people do this, hunters do this. You may go to a friend's house and they may feed you chili for supper and that chili may have <laughs> yeah. venison burger in it. Right. They might, but they might not tell you that because right. it might not be that important to say, Hey, that chili you're eating is actually deer instead of cow. So you might want to know, is it is it okay to even be eating this? So there, there's a lot of ways, and those are just three that those come up good. off my brain yeah. off the top. Yeah, so you said CWD. You already told us the, the long yeah. name for that, but, but share with us, what is it? What does it mean? So CWD is chronic wasting disease. It is the type of disease that it is is known as a TSE. It's a transmissible spongiform encephalopathy. Basically, that means that it, it, it can be spread from 
subject to subject, and it actually attacks the nervous system. It attacks the brain. What is so interesting about chronic wasting disease is that it is a neurodegenerative disease that isn't caused by a normal pathogen. It isn't a virus or a bacteria like most of these diseases are. A prion is what causes it, and what a prion is is actually a misfolded protein. So there are, are proteins that our nervous system has to use to send messages. So our nerves, our spinal cord, our brain uses proteins to send these messages, and these prions can get in there and start to replicate almost like a protein cancer, they replicate and it causes a traffic jam in the nervous system and the information that is supposed to be being sent can no longer be sent. And all of these prions start to clump up inside the brain matter and form what they call holes, which is really kind of just little dead spaces that information can't pass. It's like roadblocks in the brain. So it sounds like it's shutting their their thoughts down. Um, yes. Or Maybe the, the what we call instinct. Yeah, spatial spatial awareness is really the first thing that that seems to be what is lost by by deer. And again, this affects uh, cervids. So this is affecting elk, mule deer, and white-tailed deer here in North America. And you know, I you may you may cover this in a little bit, but is that the focus, or are we worried about monkeys and squirrels and rabbits? Well, yeah, we will get into how it's being being tested, um, and some of those are subjects of it. Okay. But no, cervidae, cervids are the focus of, of CWD. You know, I remember, oh my gosh, it is, I don't know how long this has been going on, but it's been a long time. But uh, I was sucker grabbing, and I had a deer walk up behind me, didn't even know it was behind me, it scared me. And I was able to, to touch it and mm-hmm. pet it, um, didn't look well at all. And I don't know if that was uh, CWD or something else, but you can clearly see when 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 these deer are not healthy, their 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 instincts gone. Like they're not acting like they normally do. And I guess that's because of the holes in the brain, is what you're saying. It's these holes that are causing them to not be able to function. Right. And and it's it's I'm glad you bring that up because. What has happened now that CWD is out there, it's well known publicly that it is out there, is every time we see a sick deer, I say we as the public, everyone screams CWD. CWD. Right, right. Well, in the last year, up until this deer season, so up until just like a month ago, every sick deer tested in the state of Missouri tested negative for chronic wasting disease. So every deer that presented physical illness that was reported by the public or noticed by a game warden or in, 20, of the, in 2023, in 2023, mm-hmm. everyone that was tested came back negative. negative. We're going to share more details about why that is, but there are many diseases that affect deer. So if you are seeing one that is already like really, really physically, if you can look at it and be like, man, that thing looks sick. It is possible it's chronic wasting disease, but the odds are that it is not. Gotcha. It could be... It could be a hemorrhagic disease. Uh, there are several other things. It could be a brain abscess. Those are just a couple of the most common ones that are more acute diseases that happen, occur, and kill the deer pretty quickly, where CWD does not. Well, and, and that's why, so you're saying CWD is fatal. But it is 100% fatal. Right. So they're going to die. If, if they get it, they're they're going to die. They're going to die yeah. sooner than a normal death. Correct. Okay. But is that because of what it's doing to the brain, or is it because of their actions that they they aren't able to function like they normally do? So what usually kills the deer 
it's, it isn't usually the CWD. Now, the actions have changed in the deer. So what typically happens is before any physical, anything that you can visibly see physically on the deer, far before that, they start to lose their spatial awareness. They, they don't really know where they're at, where they're going, what they do. So it makes them really easy targets for predators, right. bobcats, right. if they're smaller, even raccoons, but definitely coyotes, depending on where you live, maybe mountain lions. So predation happens. It also makes them very susceptible to walk out in a road and get hit by a vehicle. So a lot of them get hit by cars. It also makes them easy to hunt. And so people, they have a higher rate of being taken and harvested by a hunter as well. And then another thing that comes is pneumonia is a complication that comes from chronic wasting disease. So pneumonia is another thing that usually kills them. So before you can actually see visibly they're sick, they are sick. There's a lot of bad things happening in them and it causes something else to kill them. It's kind of like heart disease in humans. We accumulate high blood pressure and uh, we clog our arteries long before we physically and visibly see a symptom from the outside. Right. That's We're good. already sick on the inside. Right. Uh, so 100% fatal if they make it past that. So a lot of the, over the last two decades, pretty much every article and video that you see about CWD uses the same like three or four pictures of chronically ill deer with CWD. And the reason they use those same ones is because deer rarely make it to that physical state of just shrunken in ribs, just emaciated, can't hold their head or ears up by CWD because they usually die before that. I want to say that we don't have all the answers for CWD. We are still learning it's so much. I mean, right now what we're sharing is, is the most accurate information that we have, but we don't have all the answers. We don't know everything that's happening, but it seems like each year we are learning and, and, and figuring out more and more. Yeah, this is definitely tip of the iceberg. Uh, it's a tough disease to study. Most, most folks believe that chronic wasting disease is a new disease to deer. People even refer to it as the new deer disease. It has been around for over 50 years. It was in the 1960s that it was actually first discovered in North America, and that was in Colorado in a captive deer herd. What happened is a lot of states started testing for it before it was actually present. So in Missouri, where we live, they collected 30,000 samples before we ever got our first positive in 2012. So it's only been about a dozen years or a dozen deer seasons for us since it has actually been recognized in our state. However, unfortunately, we have seen the area geographically spread within our state and the surrounding states of where it's prevalent. And because of that information that, that we're being told, Brian, it does make me nervous as a deer hunter, as a as someone responsible for the deer. I mean, in my subdivision alone, I can count 50 deer mm-hmm. in my subdivision. What impacts does that have? And, and if they're carrying it, are they spreading <laughs> it? And how are they? I mean, there are just so many questions, and I think it's important that we we keep studying to to really try to figure out what's going on. So Ben, really the best way I know to answer that question is just by sharing what we believe to be true as a community of hunters and scientists and that is that CWD is very hard to track and test because they don't show symptoms from until 18 to 24 months after contracting. So they they have a lot of contact with their deer herd when they're sick and we don't know it and there's no way to know it and up until this point 
the only true test we have is of a harvested animal. So unless the animal is deceased, we can't test it. Uh, other things that make it very, very complicated, what we have found is that for some reason, it seems to affect adult bucks at twice the rate of adult does. Why is that happening? Maybe bucks are communicating more with their with their glands. There's a lot of theories and hypotheses out there about why that is happening, um, but we're not really, really sure. So again, there's all these loopholes and curveballs that make it just a, a complicated disease and hard to understand, hard to test. It takes a lot of money and manpower just to monitor and manage what we're doing right now. You talked about elk as well, and you know we have elk here in Missouri, but I don't hear a lot about the fear or the concern with our elk population like I am the deer. Is there a reason for that, or is it just our our population here in Missouri is doing okay? Well, our elk herd is microscopic compared right. to our deer herd. We have 1.4 right. million deer, and is it even a few thousand elk? I don't even know if it's that many yet. We just don't have that many, and it, it follow the money. Follow the money. Oh, good, it, the, yeah. the economic impact isn't there for our small elk herd like it is for our deer herd. You know, there are so many questions that come up about people are scared because they deer hunting is a pastime. People are so passionate about it. Millions of people do it every year. People don't want to lose not only their hunting, but they don't want to lose that food source that comes to their families. A lot of people, especially in rural America, I know here in Missouri, I know several families, their school districts that take a whole week off school, they rely on this time of year to fill their freezers with food to get through the winter and into the spring. I mean, there it is hard for urban America to understand that, but there are still millions of people in America that live that way and rely on that. Is it their only food source? No, but they are relying on it to save them hundreds, if not thousands of dollars in, in beef and chicken costs because they have a freezer full of food that they've harvested. Yeah, you make a great point. Uh, it's actually this year there's a lot more talk about CWD on our local television. And before hunting season opened up, there was kind of a, a little new spot there explaining what it was and talking about it a little bit. But it was my mother that actually, after that, was kind of came up to me and said, I don't know if I'm going to eat deer this year. And that kind of opened my eyes to like, you know what? There, when We don't have – there are a lot of people that don't have to eat the deer mm-hmm. they harvest. It's they don't have to. They choice. have enough money to go buy the food. But – but it's it's a great way to offset that bill mm-hmm. and to and to have meat that you know where it came from, but now that you know where it comes from, the question is, but how do I know if it's okay to eat? Right. And because of that fear, because it's not, it's it's not something that you have to have in today's society. There's people that's probably probably not going to eat it. Yep. They're, and that's that just stinks. Like it's really frustrating for me. Yeah, and what I I would answer that with. Don't go harvest the deer if you if you have fear, and you're not going to go through and get a test because that's the only way to be certain. Then don't harvest the deer. Nope, you no deer should be harvested without planning to eat it. That's the whole point of going out. You are taking the animal. It is ethical. It is conservation. It is act called hunting because you are harvesting the animal. You're not just killing it. So if you plan to just kill it, then you keep your hiney out of the woods. <laughs> Right. That's a good one. That's a good point. <laughs> so Ben, I want to share some more just to, just to really help people understand this disease because it is difficult to understand. People want to know, well, how is it like or how is it different than, than EHD, hemorrhagic disease? Because we see 
outbreaks in deer die from that all the time. One of the reasons that CWD is so scary and so dangerous and why we see state agencies taking it so seriously is that because it is the mortality rate is 100% and it happens over a long period of time, it, it really affects the reproductive rate of deer. And let me explain that. If a, if a acute mortality event occurs, like EHD or a really cold winter, a lot of times we lose a, a decent percentage of our herd if we have a really tough, harsh winter, deer are really good at recovering from that because they have high reproductive rates. Because a, a on average, a doe is going to add eight fawns to the deer herd over her lifetime. And because of that, that doubles with every fawn is adding those eight fawns. And over a course of a generation or two, whitetail herds recover from these acute events. But if we have 18 to 24 months and it's spreading the whole time, well, now most of those deer aren't going to survive to have eight fawns. It's only going to be three or four fawns. So our our deer herds are going to be reduced if we don't stop the spread of CWD. That is kind of difficult to understand. I hope that makes sense. Another thing is that we have found, it was originally believed that CWD was only spread from deer to deer contact. Saliva, feces, blood, semen, those kinds of things. We, we originally believed that was the only way it was spread, but we now know that it can be spread through environmental contamination. They did a test, a study. I forget what university it was. It was might have been Mississippi State, one of the big deer universities. Um, they had a pen where a, de- a deer that had CWD died. They let it decompose. And two years later, they put deer in that pen to test to see if they would get chronic wasting disease. Two years after a deer decomposed there, the deer got chronic wasting disease. Wow. So they now know that even things like if mm. if the deer decomposes into the soil, those mm-hmm. prions are active in the soil, a plant can actually uptake some of those prions and the deer can consume them and then get chronic wasting disease. So that is even more scary. It, it doesn't have to be deer to deer contact. It is the most common way that it is spread, but well, it can be through the environment. But that's because deer are really social. They are. Right? I mean, they, I think the the fear was that deer's noses touch. I mean, you basically, you we'll call them caged, but you have fenced deer that are raised. Mm-hmm. And there was a fear there for a while that if they were contaminated, they would touch, you know, noses with deer outside the fence, the wild, the free right. range deer, and continue to spread it that way. Um, but what about... What about your your fawns? I mean, I'm I've heard and read that fawns can get it as well. Is is it being passed from mother to fawn? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, uh, the the mother can pass chronic wasting disease to the fetus before it has actually given birth, which is another alarming thing. That isn't a great sign of of a disease that's going to be easy to stop. Uh, and, and I'm not meaning to scare anybody with this. It's just raising that alarm and giving understanding because there there isn't a whole lot of known a whole lot known. It's hard to convey this to the public for state agencies. Um, so we're just sharing what we know today. It is so hard to study chronic wasting disease in a natural environment because you can't really establish controls, right? You can't you don't really know which deer have it and which don't because you can only test dead ones. So you don't have a control subject. You can't really prevent one from getting it 
Plus, in the in the environment, in the wild, there are so many variables, you can't make them consistent. So if you go to the lab and set up the scientific method on an experiment, you can't really replicate that out with a wild deer herd in nature. So it's very, very hard to test. Any of the testing that does occur is super expensive. It takes a lot of time. And when I say time, I'm talking like years, decades, just to just to complete one research study that may just give you that next step of information to tell you what study you need to do next. You're not getting anything conclusive. So it is going to be ongoing for a long, long time. I imagine that by the time you and I leave this earth and our children are, are teaching other kids to, to hunt, they're still not going to have all the answers to chronic wasting disease. We just know what we can do now to slow it down. And, and that, is, that is scary for people. I, it makes me nervous. I'm, I still hunt out, hunted this year and, and was definitely going to try to eat whatever I killed. However, can we still eat deer? Should we be eating venison? Well, today? that is the biggest question. That's people's biggest concern. It's the number one question. We get this kind of time of year. You mentioned that your mom was worried about it. I yeah. had family members reach out to me. And here's how I answer them. Have we seen diseases pre-on diseases from other animals affect humans. We absolutely have. The The one that is most well known is mad cow disease. Mm-hmm. We ha- we saw mad cow disease in bovine spread to humans. We Now, was it a mass thing? No, but it was a big deal. I remember when it happened, humans actually got infected with that. So that is like, in the science world, that's like huge red alarm. People are like, oh my gosh, we know this type of disease, a TSE, we know that it can spread to humans but is also reassuring chronic wasting disease has been around for nearly 60 years now and no human has ever contracted it. If you think about areas, it is a small percentage. It's up around 20 to 30% now in some areas of harvested deer that are tested, but that's still not the majority. Other areas, no deer are tested. Chronic wasting disease was in areas People were harvesting and consuming deer before we knew the disease was present in some areas. The odds that someone has harvested and consumed a deer that has chronic wasting disease are nearly 100%. And still, no human has had it. There are a lot of tests going on right now to find out, like to truly get that answer. Can this type of specific prion that causes chronic wasting disease spread from cervids, from deer to humans? Now, the problem with that is it is against the law to intentionally infect a human with a disease. So mm-hmm. we cannot take venison that has CWD and give it to a human as against the law, not knowingly do that. So we have to test it on animals. We test it on rats, pigs, and monkeys, primates has been tested on. You know what the results have shown? I bet they got it. Really confusing and inconclusive. Wow. Okay. (laughs) We have no idea. We don't know. So what scientists are going to tell you is no one's gotten it. We're not really sure. If you find that your deer has chronic wasting disease, do not eat it. Well, that's the safest. I mean, that that is common sense to me. I mean, if if you know that it has something, then, then don't. Correct. And make for sure you're not giving it away either. So are there things that they say of what to do if you find a positive? Are you, right. What do you do? 
Well, I mean, the the biggest thing is to to get rid of it in a safe area. I've already shared that it can be spread environmentally just from decomposing out in the environment. So you really want to put it in your trash can and get it to the landfill. Most states that is legal. Most trash companies know that they're going to take it because they have to. Um, so states are actually going to suggest put your deer carcass if you have positive if you have meat from a deer that tested positive, put it in your trash can, put it in a plastic bag and seal that bag, put it in your trash can and send it to a landfill, preferably a landfill that you know is lined. They have liners in these landfills so that it is not getting back into the soil and the environment and spreading to, to deer around the landfill. Yeah. I, you know, this year hunting, uh, I got to hunt in a new, a new area, a new place, which was awesome. And, and I got to, because I got to take my son out. It was his, um, second year hunting but it's really his first year to be able to hold the firearm and to freely shoot it like we practiced he was confident he proved his confidence through me seeing where he was hitting the target right so i knew he was capable of shooting where he wanted to where he was aiming so we went out hunting well this area is a county that has had positives and that that kind of made me even more nervous mm-hmm. cuz where I currently hunt, I know there have been some positives, but it's it's not a county that... Well, I don't even know if I told you this. As a crow flies one mile away, the state was actually conducting deer herd density thinning. So they were thinning deer outside of the deer season. The state was paying money, using resources to go in and, and kill deer to stop the spread of CWD just one mile as a crow flies from the property that you were hunting on. Well, and... I'm glad you waited to tell me that because I'd have been more nervous. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my son this year got to harvest his first deer, which was so much fun. Awesome. And it was a buck. Mm-hmm. It was an eight point. Yeah. Uh, was it about a two-year-old? Is that two what we said? Right? About point, a two-year-old yeah. eight point. But because we were hunting the first two days of season, the first two days of rifle season here in Missouri, we are required to go get our deer tested because of the county that we're in. Not all counties are requiring it. You're in a CWD management zone. Management zone. And so after he harvested the deer, which, to be honest with you, I I was a little uneasy uh, as I was cleaning it, as I was um, cutting it open, and and I thought, you know, I know they they say stay away from the brain, Mm -hmm. stay away from the spinal cord, but I'm like, what do they even know anyway, right? So, and, so some tips on that, mm-hmm. if, especially if you're in a CWD area, wear nitrile gloves yeah. while you're handling the animal. And when you, you mentioned getting a, near the brain and stuff, when you are working around those areas, which uh, again would be the brain or around the, uh, the anus, because it comes out in the fecal matter, you should use a knife that is just for those areas and then another knife to butcher meat and stay away from power tools because what happens when we use power tools is it actually creates like a or organic aerosol of meat and whatever other matter you're hitting into in this animal and puts it into the air. So you should try to stay away from power tools when you're doing that as well. Yeah, and thankfully you don't have to have a power tool to fill dress, right? but some people do, right? So, But anyway, I just had that in the back of my mind of I am in this this management zone it's it is a possibility that this deer could have CWD and i was thankful though that they were making me get it tested because if they weren't i may not have i may not have went through it's extra work it's it extra, is extra work yeah. it's yeah it's a pain especially if if you're wanting to 
have your deer mounted, if you want to do taxidermy on your deer, then they won't test it at these right. sites. And so, Why is that? Well, because in order, so let me share it this way of, of what we had to do. So um, I, I tagged I tagged my deer, we loaded it up. I had, to, I had to find where the closest testing site was. There were three, but they weren't just super close to where I'm hunting. So you do have to drive kind yeah. of a, a ways out and go it's into like, the city. It's like when I first started hunting, you actually had a physical tag in your hand, mm-hmm. and you had to drive to a check station. Correct. And they physically came out and checked your deer and then put another tag on your deer for you. Yeah. yeah. It was like, and they weren't very close. It was like 30 minutes to an hour away usually to go to a check station and come back. So it's awesome to be able to just check it on your phone now. That is but true. But you can't But you can't use s- your phone to test for CWD. Correct. Not yet. yet. Not, Not yet. yet. <laughs> but uh, so, so uh, it was actually nice. The Missouri's app they have helped me to find uh it, it sent me to their webpage to where they had a map of, of these locations and i was able to find it um decently quick and and we got there when we got there there was a line there was quite a few guys in front of us um you could see deer everywhere <laughs> they had, uh, there was a it's crazy how many deer are harvested but to see it to see it all there in front of you it's it's yeah. wild it's, it's neat though um before we got up to the station um, an MDC staff asked us some questions um, at the window of the truck waiting to pull up. And, and uh, one of them was, Do you, are you planning on um, taxiderming your animal? And we said, I said, yeah. I, I, at first I thought, you know what, I want to get this thing mounted for my son. And after I said, yeah, she said, oh, okay, well, you don't have to get tested then. And I was like, well, I, I, want, I want to test. I'm here. I came here. I, I want to know because I want to eat this. And I really want to know if if it has CWD. And I said, well, well, never mind. I mean, why do you? Why does that matter? And it's because the lymph node that they're going to send off to be tested, the one that they want to take out. There are so many other lymph nodes they could pull from, but the one that they want to take out, I'm going to say, is basically in the back of the throat, like towards mm-hmm. the back in the neck, yeah, and just so below the jaw. Yeah, and so they'll actually they come in with a knife and cut right below that jaw in the throat all the way to the back until they can reach that gland and then they pull they they basically pull it out but they cut it out bag it and they take down your information um, they want to know your conservation ID number they also have to have your tag number that you harvested it with and then they asked us to point uh, on the map where we were at specifically like they really wanted pinpoint on this map we were where we were at within the county and so um, showed them that and they gave me a card back with an identification number saying if this uh, tests yeah. positive we will notify you and that's what I asked again I said so you're saying I don't have to do anything if I don't want to but if it is positive you're going to notify me and they kept looking at me like yeah you're you're 100% you're, you're they're going to try to get down yeah. yeah and I was like okay but um, with that confirmation number you could go on to MDC's website and um, see where it's at. See see where it... What does that look like? Did you do that when you put your number in on their website? What's it look like when it comes up? You know, for our state, from Missouri, it was really easy. Um, I, I just typed in Google CWD testing results from Missouri, and it took me to MDC's page, mdc.mo.gov. And inside that, you can click on CWD testing results. It asks you for a valid reference number, and there's some different options. You can either use the number that they gave to me there, um, or you can use your conservation ID number, and that's what I did because I lost my card. <laughs> but they do say keep that card on you. You yeah. want to keep it. Um, 
but what it looks like it's just it's they give you your sample ID they the day that you collected it your county you're in and right there beside it all says results and ours said not detected and it was that simple that was that was it well have you eaten any of it yet so <laughs> I actually have not had a bite yet okay. however my friend I sent him some um, before you got the test back. Did you tell him that? Hey, I don't know if this deer's going to kill you or not. No, I didn't say anything. Here's a backstrap. I didn't say anything about it. <laughs> but I actually felt pretty good about. Yeah. Because I'm going to tell you right now that I didn't wear gloves when I cleaned this deer. I didn't take any precautions like they say to. And I thought, well, I mean, I already had cracks on my hands. Like, let's just say that if this thing had CWD and it was going to give it to a human, I was probably going to have. You're going to be the first one. I was probably going to be the it. first one. Um, so it is important to, to be cautious and, uh, but no, we, we got the results back, not detected. Um, those came in, it was actually within, uh, uh probably three weeks. Yeah, uh, they, they say seven, seven days, so a week to three weeks is what they, what they yeah. say. A lot of times it only takes about a week to get back, but they guarantee it within three weeks. So it, anyway, it was smooth. The whole process was smooth. They they want to make it that way. They, they they want to. They need the samples. Yeah, they need it. And and I wanted that reassurance that it was okay for for me to eat mm-hmm. the meat. However, I was ready to eat it anyway. To be honest with you. So <laughs> I want to reiterate: the only way to be one hundred percent certain that your deer is safe to eat and does not have chronic wasting disease is to get it tested. To it do is. this process of what you're talking about, that is the only way. If you're not going to do that, I'm going to give you some suggestions that you can look at to give you an idea of, yeah, it's probably okay, but do know it is a probably. It is a probably. I have yet to have a deer tested. That maybe isn't wise. And maybe, but I mean, you know, there's always going to be risk involved until we know the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, you said as a crow flies, I was one mile away from a really a probably hot spot. a hot spot, yeah. right? But two miles away from that, in reality, as a crow flies, are nothing. Well, our stomping grounds that you and I have hunted in for yeah, for a, true, yeah. our life, and to say that those deer, <sighs> you and I have have probably <laughs> been around it. And just not known it, right? right. And um, yeah. we we could have ate it and not known it. Um, I I don't know what you do about it other than if you want to make for sure, then go get this thing tested. They have testing sites out throughout the year. Mm-hmm. So I was sharing that it was mandatory in my county I was hunting in. It was right. mandatory for me to do it on the first two days of the opening or of that opening of season. season yeah. Mm-hmm. But they still had areas to go have them tested. Yeah. And and that's something if, if you want to be a part of, of helping, when the stations are set up and it isn't mandatory, take your deer to get tested because it is going to help them. The more samples in science, the more samples you have in a test, the more accurate the results are, the more that can be done with that data. So if you want to be a part of stopping CWD, then then absolutely get your deer tested. Uh, that is probably something, an in, in area that I could improve as a conservationist. And a hunter, if you're, again, I want to reiterate, if you test, if your deer test positive, don't eat it. We don't know for sure if it can spread to humans or not. So don't just, just take, the, take the safe bet. It isn't worth having your brain deteriorate out of your body. It, just it, If that's one what it did. Worth. We don't even know if it would even do that. We don't know what so, it would do. So, yeah. yeah. Um, some, some things to consider if you aren't going to get it tested. This is how I direct people. These are some questions you can ask yourself and kind of go through in your brain. 
the first question I asked was, how was the deer acting before you harvested it? Remember, it loses its spatial awareness and in, in, in full neuro capacity before you can actually visibly see something physically wrong with it. So was the deer acting normal? Was it chasing does where its ears fully erect or where its ears drooping? Yeah, let me Did give it you have example. a slouched out front? Yeah, this one here, as he came in, he actually followed the trail that the, all the deer that I've been seeing the last few days followed. He came up, followed as out in the middle of pasture there. He followed the exact same trail, came right. up, licked the branch, rubbed his nose up he on the branch. He was acting like a deer. Acting like a deer. Right. right. Correct. So observe those things. What was this, do deer, this deer doing before I harvested it? Answer that question. If it was normal, then you can kind of move on to some other questions. The place that you hunt, is it a CWD hotspot? Is there a high rate of it? Are you in one of these mandatory test sites? If you are, then you need to take it more serious than places where it's never been discovered before. You may be hunting in a county that it hasn't been discovered for four counties adjacent to you, and you you probably don't really need to worry that much because it's not in your area. It hasn't been discovered there yet. Do you know... Do you know what makes it a management spot? Is it the percentage of deer that have tested positive? And right. That's, that's all. That's all we have on that. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, okay. exactly. And and we know that decreasing deer density in those areas where it's at because it, it it reduces deer to deer contact is a way to slow the spread of it. You can't eliminate it. We we have not figured a, a cure or a way to eliminate CWD. All we know is that reducing density of deer decreases the rate of deer in the deer herd that actually have it. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. Now, I want to share some hope because it's been kind of doom and gloom so far. It's a tough disease. It's 100% fatal. Like, does it get more doom and gloom than that? No. We don't know if it spreads to the human. That's not great news. We know it's expensive to test for. We know it's expensive to manage. And we can only test deer that are already deceased. So is there any hope? What are the new discoveries? What are scientists figuring out? That's what I want to leave people with. That's the last thing that I want to cover in this podcast episode. And the first thing that I want to share, because I think it is so awesome. We now know, we have proven that dogs, canines, little, little rough, rough can detect CWD in the feces of deer. Like really, really well. They know if it has CWD or not. Pennsylvania University, and I believe it was... Montana, they are both training dogs right now to be CWD detection dogs for the agencies, just like they would would have a police drug dog. We are training CWD detection dogs. Now, why that is so awesome is it is going to drastically increase the efficiency and the cost of testing for CWD. And they're going to be able to tell if the deer has it while it's alive. If we can collect feces, we're going to be able to know <clears throat> how prevalent it is a deer herd. Because we, you could go through a property and collect deer, deer feces and, and start to say, okay, well, we collected 10 piles of scat and nine of them had it. Like, this is a bad, this is a bad spot. Just using dogs. How many people need to be with a dog doing this? One or two, maybe? We don't need to have 20 people out running a testing station. Mm-hmm. So man hours, money, it's all going to be really, really helpful. We also now know Mississippi State just finished, I think, I believe it was a two-year study. They now know and have ways of finding CWD in 
the soil. We can now find the prions outside of the animal, which is huge. We can find it in the environment first. So we can go into ranches, properties, areas, public grounds, and find out if this is an area that the animals are going to be infected with it because it's in the environment. That is huge because we don't actually have to track down a wild animal. And how they are doing that is going to scrape sites. So a scrape is, you mentioned deer are social animals. The the best way they communicate is through a scrape. So it's usually a little branch that's low enough that they can reach it with their head. They'll scrape the ground clean and they'll pee and poop in it and rub on the licking branch above them. And that is how deer communicate with their pheromones and hormones. In that soil, in those scrapes, we can actually test for CWD. Isn't God good that we don't have to go do that to communicate? <laughs> we can use our words. <laughs> we can just use words. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that scrape, though, that, that is a great, you know, out of all the acres that a deer can be, how cool is it that you can go out and find that pinpoint spot? Mm-hmm. You know, if you were just having to, to try to shovel up different sites, per se, to try to be find so it, random. it would be really tough. It yeah. would. And, and scrapes are usually pretty easy to find. They're always on the edge, uh, usually on a trail or a ridge top that's on the, the edge of timber or thick habitat, a bedding area. It's easy to go find uh, these scrape lines. So I, I really think we're going to find out a lot when they start using that method of testing now that we know that it's out there. You know, because we have now proven that dogs, because of their advanced sense of smell, can detect CWD. Scientists are now, there's a hypothesis out there that deer, because they also have an extremely advanced, it, they, they're guessing around 300% better than humans, that deer may be actually able to smell areas that are have a high rate of CWD and avoid it. So they're gonna. They are now creating tests to pull to pull some research on whether or not deer will move away from higher concentrated CWD areas or not, which would be encouraging if they find out that it does, uh, because it would kind of give hope. Like, you know what? We need to we need to intervene and manage the best we can. But even if we don't, deer are going to be able to to help themselves a little bit. Yeah, that that sounds strange to me. Just because if if they could smell it in the area, wouldn't they smell the deer that had it? And would they be constantly trying to flee from them? You know, that would be is that learned behavior? Is that instinct? Where does that flow? But man, if if there was a way for yeah for them to control their where they want to be in their habitat, that's that'd be pretty powerful, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they they're gonna put some tests together to figure out if that is true or not. Also, prio sense is a product from the company Pryogen, and they actually offer to consumer a CWD test. It's $45, and they claim that by sending in samples of the fat or meat of your harvest, that you can send it off to them, and they can report back to you whether your animal had CWD or not. Now, that's cool because maybe you don't like going to the testing site or it is an hour away from where you're at. If you want to pay the $45, you can actually send your own stuff off and get it tested as well. So if products like that start to be available, people are going to be able to get that 100% answer and feel good about the meat that they're consuming. Well, then that's the hope that I have, honestly, for, for the hope that I want to share, honestly, is that you can get your deer tested. That is the hope. Mm-hmm. Like, what if we didn't have the capability of knowing if your, your deer was okay to eat or not? Like, that sense of peace is perfect like that that's 
that is the hope that you, there is a means for us to f- get the answer to. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes a few extra steps, and it does take a little time. I mean, I froze my meat waiting for that to come back, so I froze it. Um, yeah, I froze it, and I thought it'll stay here until I get my results back. And like I said, it didn't take very long. Now I have a peace of mind that when you and I get together to make our summer sausage, I'm not bringing in some kind of contaminated meat that can not only make me and you sick, but there's a lot of people that like summer sausage, and we give – We'll give that to people or right. let it try it, you know, and We're think about the other people's yeah, families. Yeah, think about the the negative, the the bad that could come from that if, if we didn't have it tested. So the hope truly is, is that you can still go harvest, uh, enjoy the harvest, and even enjoy that meat, and that we have the capability of testing. That's, mm-hmm. that's hope in itself for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I talked a little bit about hypotheses that are out there from some of the, some of the new findings that, that scientists are coming up with. I've kind of made one of my own, and I was just really thinking about this, giving a lot of thought to CWD before this episode. You know, I I talk a lot about, and I'm passionate about uh, habitat, wildlife habitat, and how negatively humans have impacted wildlife habitat, and what we're seeing it do to quail populations and turkey populations, and maybe even eventually deer. Deer seem to be incredibly resilient, but CWD has not always been around. It was first discovered in the 60s, many states here in the in the Midwest and the South just in the last 10 to 15 years. So to me, I start to ask the question, well, what has changed? What has changed then? And I immediately, because I'm a habitat guy, go to, well, you know what? We have changed our habitat drastically and in a very fast time frame. We have so many invasive species, Cerisa lespediza, uh, fescue, eastern red cedar that we have just completely taken over most of our native habitat with that I think as we continue to test, I don't have the resources, the money, or even know who to call and tell that I have this idea. I think we're going to find that it is directly correlated to our habitat. That our, if we still had all of our native habitat that we wouldn't have chronic wasting disease. I think we're going to find it probably directly related to one of the species that I mentioned. One of those three, or there's several other uh, that are really taking over native habitat, and we don't have all our native species. I think that's what we're going to find. Yeah, I think those invasive species is such a good point. When you shared that to me, I was just like, oh, wow, yeah, that's, that is plausible, mm-hmm. right? Um, you hate cedars that much that you'd throw them under the bus. Yeah, oh yeah. But I, you know, I think this started. Our that, first positive was in Colorado. That'd be like the best thing ever for wildlife if people found out that the reason we have pr- these folded prions is because of the eastern red cedars, and everybody just started cutting them down. That'd be the best thing for wildlife <laughs> habitat. Yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. I, but Colorado does have cedars, uh-huh. and so that's kind of where that it would be fun to go out and test this, like. You know, you told you told us at the start of this that it was the first positive was in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Is that right? So that may be where we start. Like, what's invasive in Colorado? Um, to then comparing that possibly to what's invasive here in Missouri. Yeah, if I were to start testing it just on my own with without any resources, I would start by saying, wh- where are all the hotspots in North America? Looking because there's hotspots in Canada. I know Tennessee. There's like there's some properties there that have like a 50% rate of it. Looking at Colorado, looking at some of these really really high density CWD areas, 
and saying what is similar about the habitat here, what what species, what flora and fauna are present here and here and here, and see if you could pick up a pattern, and then you could start testing that. But again, time and resources that I don't have, but maybe God will cross my path with someone that does have those. You never know. You never know. Well, I want to close with this. There's always something that we can do as outdoorsmen and as, as conservationists, and we've mentioned most of these, but I'll just summarize them here before we wrap up. One, get your deer tested. There are tests available. Most of them are free. Uh, the state wants your tests, so they're going to work with you on getting them. Dispose of your deer carcass properly. Put it in bags. I actually do put mine into my trash can and let my trash service take it. I put it inside a bag. I put it inside my trash can and let them take it so that it is not spreading into other deer herds. If you hunt in a zone that is considered a CWD management zone, try to leave your deer there. Try to leave the carcass there. Don't don't go take it three counties over into a place that has never had CWD and let it decompose there and possibly spread that to another part of your deer herd. Yeah, let me add, to, you need to know the rules of where you're hunting. There yeah, because some it, of them don't allow it. Some of it don't allow it. Some of it only allow you to transport within 48 hours. Mm-hmm. And so you need to know the rules before you go to hunt in your, your zones. Right. And the other thing I want to say, we've talked a lot about cooking. You mentioned freezing. Because this disease is caused by a prion, it has been tested up to 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit and down to, I forget what the negative is, an, an extreme negative. It isn't a virus. It isn't a bacteria. Extreme heat and extreme cold doesn't affect it. Right. So just because you say, oh, you know what? I'm not worried about it. I cook my meat b- before I eat it. Do know that it isn't affecting a CWD prion. Your cooking and freezing isn't affecting it. So don't use that as a security that it isn't going to affect you. You got to take that step to get it tested. If you have any questions or misunderstandings about CWD that you would like answered, please reach out to us. We will do our best to answer them for you. If we don't have an answer, we'll just say we don't know. We can only share what we have been shown by God the Father. Please reach out to us at m2boutdoors at gmail.com. You can message us on Facebook or Instagram. Please hit the download and subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you listen. It is a huge thing for us. If you can leave us a review or a rating, it helps us go up those podcast charts so other people can find it. If there's somebody in your life that you think may enjoy our content, please share it with them. Uh, That is the best way for a podcast to grow is word of mouth. So please share it with other people. We hope that everyone is having a wonderful holiday season. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. We hope that between now and that time, you remember you are meant to be outdoors. Thank you for listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, hosted by Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. Please help us by subscribing. Also, follow along on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook.